Welcome to the 7 Figure CEO Podcast, where we talk all things marketing strategies, business systems, personal development insights, and conduct interviews with successful CEOs and entrepreneurs. Learn the exact strategies on how 7 Figure CEOs market and scale their companies with your host, Chris Rodriguez. Welcome, everybody, to the Seven Figure CEO Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Mark Prater of Enterprise Martial Arts. He's a child development specialist and owner of a very successful martial arts school in Hollister, California. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Uh, that was a very nice introduction. I do appreciate that. <laughs> You bet. You know, I'm I'm really excited to chat with you today because, you know, we kind of came about this podcast in a, in a bittersweet note. You've been a, a GrowPro client for a few months and, you know, I've seen some some really great success so much that you now have a waiting list for your school and kind of need to pump the brakes on the marketing, right? And it's always bittersweet when that happens because it means, you know, we did our, you know, end of the the bargain. So, Tell our listeners a little bit about your school. How long have you been in business? What styles do you teach? And, uh, you know, what's that active count at? Well, um, I opened my school back in August 2006. I opened it like a month before I got married. <laughs> so it was a pretty busy time. Um, so celebrating 17 years here of both my marriage and my business coming up. So Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I originally um, was part of a martial arts organization when I first opened, which I, I left in 2014. And uh, I had to essentially rebrand or rebuild my school when I did that. And um, we've been very fortunate in our area to become, um, I feel, the martial arts school that people think about when they think about martial arts in Hollister. Okay. And what's your predominant target market? Do you have a, you know, main focus on adults? Is it predominantly kids? Is it a mixture of both? We do have a mixture of both, but it's predominantly children. Yes. Our, our children is about 95% of our enrollment. Okay. And do you have a specific style of martial arts that you guys teach? Yes. Um, mixed martial arts system. Um, originally, it was a mix of Taekwondo and kickboxing. Right now, it's a mix of, um, of Jeet Kune Do, uh, FMA, Taekwondo, kickboxing, um, those are our primary styles. And, and I mix in a little bit of Kata Kenbo here and there, a little bit of BJJ here and there, just to give our, our students a good, well-rounded system. So, And I, as a BJJ stylist yourself, you understand the importance of groundwork. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing. And man, starting a marriage and starting a business, those are two yeah. huge things. So congratulations that both of them are still intact. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, we, we were talking a little bit right before this. I'm in Florida. You're in California. And I think everybody knows that went through COVID. Those two states uh, differed in, in very many ways. You know, the experience that we had with our students in our school, much different than you had. So how are you guys affected by COVID? And, you know, really, what was your game plan to, to get through it and, and still be here and thriving? Yeah, um, I'm grateful and fortunate to have been able to do what we did. So um, I'm not sure how things were in your area regarding COVID, but with us, um, we shut down in March, that March, of course, and um, we we had we reopened in June. Well, during those initial three months, like everybody else, we, we didn't know what we we're going to do. So I got online, started seeing what my friends, the schools were doing. And the first thing we did was we just started doing recorded 
um, classes. So my, my daughter, who is now 11, and I would go to the studio and we'd re we record a class for all of our members, just sewing some drills that they could do at home. But then our dear friend, Melody Johnson, um, as a skills school, she and her team put together a full virtual academy for the schools to do. So that's what I followed. And I'm so grateful to her for, for what she did because they constantly gave us content to work with on how to run a virtual school. So we immediately started doing Zoom classes. And um, when we reopened in June, um, we had lost about, I think about 25 or 30 people. So we still had a decent amount of people still training. So when we opened, we, we, we were open for like a month and then we had to shut down again because it's back and forth out here in California. And then we had um, different tiers. Are you familiar with the different tiers that were going on different states? Red tier, purple tier, green tier, and so forth. We didn't have that in Florida. So, you know, I, our listeners are all over the world. So why don't you kind of explain yeah, what, what yeah. that is? So each tier had specific guidelines that gyms and martial arts schools had to follow. So when we were in purple tier, we only had a certain amount of people that could be in the academy at a time. Mm. Um, when we were in red tier, we couldn't be indoors at all. So we had to teach outside. And I was very fortunate because the building I'm in is in an industrial area. And our landlords, who have just been absolutely amazing, said, hey, the building at the end is not being used use the parking lot in that end to teach out there for as long as you need. So nice. we did that for six months. So in the cold, we set up floodlights, students wow. came out and people trained in the bitter cold and then people continued enrolling at a rapid pace, which was something that I didn't expect, but was so grateful for. And um, again, going through the summer months, we set up, we set up a sprinkler systems outside so people can train the heat. During the cold weather, we, we bundled up and we just persevered and got through everything and continued to grow at the same time. At what point were you guys able to, you know, kind of go back to normalcy, you know, quote unquote, and, and start running those classes back indoors and not having to wear masks and things like that? Yeah, yeah, that that is such a blur. But I think after about six <laughs> it months, was right. <laughs> yeah, after about six months, we got the we got the go ahead to, to go back indoors. I can't remember what, what month that is. Um, like I okay. said, it was just all such, it's just trying to survive, you know, and yeah. just doing whatever we can to pivot and do so. And I found that the schools that did that were the ones that persevered. And unfortunately, many schools didn't do that. And I, I, I was very sad for them. For but, sure. Um, yeah. But for us, we just never, ever, I, I refused to stop. I just refused. And I had so many parents telling us, we're so grateful that we have something for our kids to do outside the house and not be cooped up. And you guys have kept on going. And, um, you know, we followed every rule in the book. We didn't have one COVID breakout, not one. We were so fortunate. Um, and uh, when we got back indoors, we had doubled our enrollment that we had ever had in Hollister. Thanks. Thanks to just like perseverance, never quitting, never giving up. So, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, while not everybody uh, has a success story in the martial arts industry like you did, I do feel as an industry, many school owners stepped up to the plate trying to figure out what they could do to make this work. 
Um, my school's uh, located right next to a dance studio, and I knew the owner. And uh, we were passing each other one day, and this is when everything was shut down. And right. you know, I said, "How are you guys doing? What are you guys doing?" And she's like, "We're not doing anything." And it just kind of. And at that point, we had started Zoom classes before we even shut down because we saw the attendance just completely take a nosedive. So we wanted to be proactive about it. And you know, it's uh, it's crazy that there are other. And there were other sports out there that didn't pivot the way that we did. And very similar to you, we heard parents saying, oh, my God, thank you so much for this, because my child has an outlet and all of the other extracurricular activities that they were doing, you know, they didn't pivot the same way that that you did. So, right. you know, kudos to you. Um, let's, you know, shift gears. I want to talk about this 95 percent of your student base being being children. Talk to me about the programs that you offer um, at your at your martial arts school for your kids. What do those look like? So we um so as I mentioned before, we're a skill school, so we have their different age groups, um, ages three and four, ages five and six, and then I have ages seven through eleven, and then we have our twelve and above, our teens and adults. And, uh, and oh, I was just going to say, in Hollister, um, we've never had a large adult program. Um, but it's predominantly children, which is fine. I mean, I, I love working with children. I love teaching kids. Um, so uh, generally, when we get to a certain number of students, to service our members as best we can, I cap the number. So our three and four-year-old program is just bursting at the seams. I don't have too many kids in class. I generally try to cap it by eight per class. Eight is five and six, bursting also. We have more kids in class at that point, but um, once we hit about 30 kids, <laughs> I go ahead and just cap it there too. Um, ages 7 to 11 stay very, very steady also. Steady enrollments there. Um, but 12 and above, um, we have about 20, 25 students overall, which is a good size for that program because it's, it's our last class of the day. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it works out pretty good that way. Yeah, that three and four year old class, uh, we run them as well. We're pretty much the only school in Tampa that will take them at three. There are, are some schools that, you know, will have like a four to six year old class. Uh, but we we follow the three and four year olds. And I sometimes joke that it's kind of like herding cats into a pool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so having those smaller numbers is, you know, definitely important. Um, right. You know, what would you say is your unique selling position, you know, being a, a skills school, your email signature says, you know, child development specialist, you know, what makes your programs unique at enterprise? Because we teach the children based on the stages of the development. And you know, as well as I do that when we came up with the martial arts, there was one curriculum for the entire school with mm -hmm. a watered down version for the kids. But that's like trying to teach TK kids, second grade material, you know, they, they have to have the basic foundations of a three and four year old. They're just learning how to follow commands and instructions. We can't be having them do jump sidekicks across the room just because we see that on TV, you know. So when I tell parents, I pre-frame them, I just let them understand they're learning again, three and four year olds, they're learning how to follow basic commands and instructions. They're learning just how to bend their knee on the kit. They're not going to be standing at attention for one minute at a time, because that's unrealistic. So when we start to pre-frame parents and give them expectations that are realistic versus what they think martial arts is, it gives us the advantage and the edge because now we're the educators on so much more than just punching and kicking. 
we we specialize in child development, and this is the first stage of it. And then we do the same for five and six year olds and seven through 11. We explain the stages of where they're at and what as parents they should expect and what we're going to improve upon. I love it. Great, great response. And, uh, you know, there aren't many schools out there that are breaking up the age groups as as much of that. Typically, you, you might see two you know, different age groups, like three to six and then seven and up. And, you know, never really made sense in, in my head. I have a three-year-old. Uh, we call him a, a three-anger because he's a three-year-old <laughs> going on to a teenager. Sure. Um, but that. even a three-year-old and a five-year-old, I mean, a five-year-old is in kindergarten, right? And a, a right. three-year-old is maybe in a VPK program. They're just kind of mm-hmm. like on two completely different planets. So we found separating those age groups makes it not only better for the kids, but it makes it easier for the instructors as exactly. well. Exactly. Yes. And it's easy for parents to forget what it was like at that age. So the expectations that they have are sometimes unrealistic. So as long as we can educate them and let them know and remind them what it's like to be a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, then they would say, I've seen parents go, ah, that does make sense. Like something- Light bulb goes off. Yeah, light bulb goes off. And that's a really important thing for us to do um, as child educators. I don't call myself a karate teacher or my staff child development specialists. And uh, that's what I feel truly separates us from any school in my area. I love it. Great share. Thanks so much for for breaking that down with the different programs you have. Um, You know, so one of the number one questions that you see in the martial arts Facebook groups are school owners asking about offers. What offer do you do? And, you know, I think there is an argument Uh, for any offer that works for any particular school owner. So what's the offer that you uh, typically push to, you know, get get prospects in the door? Uh, Currently, it's just um, a free first lesson. Okay, um, I have them come in. It's a one-on-one lesson. That's what I advertise it as. One-on-one lesson, that's it. They don't pay anything um, for for that lesson. They come in, they do their intro lesson, and they like it, they enroll. For the three- and four-year-olds, I do a two-parter. Um, so the, for the three and four year olds, I do what's called an evaluation lesson. And I make that different from an intro lesson because I tell the parents, I say, Hey, this is just to make sure that, that Johnny or Susie can follow basic command instructions. If that works great, we'll have them do a full class. Cause we have seen kids <laughs> at that age do a great intro lesson and they go into class and it's a different vibe. So I will not enroll someone unless they can do the same thing they did on the class lesson that they did during the, during the evaluation. Um, yes. But one-on-one, one-on-one lesson, that's what we did. Um, during the, the COVID time, I would do six weeks for 149. So they'd come in, they'd enroll, they would get their lessons, they get all their gear for that cross. So that was a pretty good deal that worked as well. Um, I might revisit that in the future, but for right now, the, 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 the free one-on-one lesson has been working fantastic. Yeah, we do something very similar. You know, there's, uh, there's just nothing that can really big, be- uh, build better rapport between the child, between the parent, you know, than the one-on-one intro lesson. And we had found very similar. We do an evaluation to make sure that they are ready for the group class and then they would sign up. Oftentimes, those parents would choose to do the paid in full. We have a paid in full option. 
And then it felt like a completely different child was just put in the group class. So we do something similar. If they pass that introductory lesson, that evaluation, we actually put them on a two week trial just to see how they're going to react being in the group setting. Because like you said, very often, you know, they uh, can can pass with flying colors in a one on one setting, but then you put them in the group setting and, you know, all the aspects of not just the physical and intellectual, which you guys talked a lot about in skills, but it's that social and emotional aspect that environment is different when they are in a group lesson versus the, you know, the one-on-one. Very much so. Yes. Yes. Very cool. So that's the offer. What type of marketing efforts uh, do you do at, at enterprise? Well, obviously Facebook is the biggest thing. Um, and then uh, we also have a great referral program and um, our parents know about it. it says basically you refer a, a friend, um, and they enroll, I give you $50 cash. I hand them a $50 bill. And um, obviously they just love that and appreciate that. And then of course, you know, various events like um, a white belt buddy bash. Um, that's become okay. part of our, our quarterly quarterly um, marketing where we have the, have the white belts invite two to three of their, of their best friends to come to a hour and a half. Basically it's a birthday party type structure. Come in, they play games, but they break boards. Very and cool. then um, afterwards they have pizza. And then afterwards we, um, we hand out an invite to all the prospects to say, come back on Monday to this time. We'll award your white belt. I'll have pre from the parents to say, hey, if you enroll that day, the special offer. So things of that nature, constantly doing events to bring in those friends is a, is a huge win for us. I love that white belt buddy bash. You know, I think a lot of schools will implement like a buddy day where you can mm -hmm. bring them to class or even a buddy week, but you guys are doing something completely separate outside of the classes. And I love how you said it's, you know, kind of like a birthday event where you're going to play games. We're going to do food and there's something about breaking boards. You know, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a BJJ girl, but we break boards in my school because it's not about the board. It's about the courage that it takes to overcome the fear of breaking the board. So we're big fans of that as well. And you said you're doing that quarterly. Is that how often yes. you're doing yes. those? Yes. Yes. Very That's a good cool. amount of time in between um, that we get a new influx of white belts. So I usually not let's just not just our our brand new white belts, but the second red, which we call white advanced belt, also bring friends. So um, that gives a good crowd, and they're still in that excitement phase. To bring their friends in in both of those belts. So um, we're looking forward to hosting our next one next month. So we're pretty happy about that. That's awesome. Why don't we shift gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit about your team? You know, no, uh, you know, no, no, most businesses, it takes a group effort to, to hit a certain level of success. So what does the team look like at, at Enterprise? So we have um, two full-time instructors and two part-time instructors. Um, one of my instructors has been with me since 2006, one of my first students. Wow, uh, that's so cool. awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great to have him there. Um, uh, another one of my instructors is a secondary black belt, been with me for, for several years. And another one's a, a black belt candidate, testing for his black belt later on this year. And then um, my assistant head instructor is actually a, a red belt in our system and um, also an, an academy parent. And, um, you know, rank isn't something that I look at as far as teachers. It's about passion. And I hired this person about four years ago when they were still roughly a beginner just to help out the classes 
and they've turned into an outstanding instructor, better than I was at Red Belt, that's for sure. And mm -hmm. um, they've just excelled in their teaching. So um, our, our team, they commit to making the academy a better place because they, they love the academy. It's their second home. So they do all they can to, to, to make things as, as great for everybody. And um, we have staff meetings that walk out pumped up because they give me ideas and um, back and forth. We're a team. I, I don't say it'll be this way. I say, what do you guys think? What, what do you think will work? And they give me their ideas and we just go back and forth and ping pong. And um, I think that's important um, because it gives them opportunity to have a hand in the school and say that, they are, that they're not just an employee, but they're part of the growth also in more ways than just being on the mat. Absolutely. So you've got a, an awesome instructor team. What are some of the roles that, that you play in, in the school? I wear every hat. Um, and I've been trying to step back a bit from that. I just hired a manager. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes. And what's great is the manager is also my, our kids' nanny. So <laughs> we already knew she was outstanding. She has a background, though, in, um, in, in, in management. So she was just a key factor. So for me, I um, have been on the mat a lot more. And then just right now, I'm delegating things to our manager that I normally do. And um, I'm trying to kind of step away a little bit more and kind of let the team run the school. I know that a lot of people say the ideal thing for a school owner to do is to just kind of step away and let the team run the school. I like to get my feet wet every day and be in the thick of things. And it's what I enjoy. I love being at work. It's, it's who I am. It's what I do. I have to be there in some capacity, whether it be on the mat, whether it be at, behind the front desk. I have to do that, but it's, it's your purpose. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I didn't open a school just to be a, just, just to be at home all the time. Yes. <laughs> I do believe in balance. I believe that, that immensely, but at the same time, I want to be there full time and just be with everybody and make those connections. And that's what I do these days. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, uh, you know, one of my, my favorite parts of, of being an entrepreneur is, you know, hopefully, uh, being able to get to the point where you just get to choose if you want to do it. Right. right. It's, it's right. freedom to like, I have freedom to do this, not freedom from like, I'm trying to, you know, get exactly. away, away from it. Yes. You yes. know, so 17 years in the industry, it's a, it's a long time. And I know you, you started in a, in an organization and, and then got out of the organization. If you were to start all over again, what's one thing that you maybe might've done differently? Well, I would have started on my own. That's, that's the first thing. And I would have actually um, seeked out people like Melody, for example, to see what I could do different from everybody else in town. When I opened, there was, I think, two other schools in town that were doing similar things to what I was. But I felt at the time that I still had more to offer because I was part of this organization. But... And realistically, it wasn't too much different. Um, the school that was in town at the time and I, we had the same roots. So um, even though I thought I was superior, I don't think I really was necessarily as far as what I had to offer. So I would have reached out and seeked out people and see what they were doing different in their areas and kind of pulled from that and uh, based my school a little bit off of what I learned there. 
Very cool. And, you know, what do you say to the the school owners that might be trying to take their school to the next level? What, you know, piece of advice do you have for them? Um, seek out coaches that can help you. Um, never think that you have all the answers, no matter what your experience is. Um, and listen, listen to, listen to the industry all around you. Um, for a very long time, I had a hard time um, reaching out to coaches because we have great coaches and we have not so great coaches. And um, I think that once they started to listen more and see who was truly out there that cared about what they did, there's those are the ones I followed and listened to and became friends with. Um, you, you are one example of that, by the way. So uh, thank you. Yes, yeah. I was reading it. Yeah, I read about you in, in all the publications and um, I was happy to join Grow Pro because um, I, I didn't really know much about you at the time, but um, Melody knew you and other people talked about you. John, John Geiston, you know, John Geiston out of um, yeah. Springfield. Yeah, a good friend of mine. They said had nothing but great things to say about you. So when I hear that, those are the people I want to connect with. For sure. You know, John actually opened a school here in Tampa. So yeah. it's about five miles away from my school. Uh, but uh, we're uh, I, Tampa is such a saturated market that five sure. miles is, you know, plenty. And he's a, he's an awesome, awesome guy. And I, I think, you, you know, you're just so right. There are so many coaches and consultants out there and there's many different ways to skin a cat. There's many different ways to be mm -hmm. successful. And I, I think making sure that your values are aligned is such an important aspect of finding that coach and mentor, um, you know, which is exactly, exactly what you said. So any additional nuggets or wisdom or insight that you'd like to share before we wrap up here today, Mark? Yeah, um, I just want to tell all the school owners out there, just like I previously said, always keep your mind open and mm -hmm. always look for things that are going to set you apart from any other school in town and dive into it because you want to be able to say what it is with clarity and can and be very concise as opposed to, well, we're, we have good service. Well, how? Every school is going to say that. Or, yes, I work with kids really well. Well, how do you work with kids really well? What do you do that makes you special other than just teach them discipline and respect? Right. Confidence, discipline and respect. That's yeah. what we do. You yeah. and every other martial arts school out there. Exactly. Exactly. So if you can explain what makes you different in detail really quickly, that's going to make you be the one that sets you apart from everybody else. I love it. Great advice. Great takeaway. Mark, congratulations on your success. Congratulations to the success of your team and your students. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was an honor.